that they completely stripped his Hall of Fame status. And it's never happened, and, uh, right? 30 mo- no, it's never happened. And a uh, 30-month ban on top of it, uh, which is not something they used, usually give first-timers. Uh, I mean... So the evidence had to be pretty damning. Yeah, like, when you look at... That was the thing for me. It was like, they stripped his Hall of Fame status, and I was like, dude, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just felt really bad for Travis, because he was like, you know, I want to face the end boss, and I'm like, well, you gotta wait a couple years, bro, so... <laughs> I really do appreciate people's sympathy with this. So I do. Like I feel for you, man, because I think you're you're probably closer than you think. Oh, that's actually really nice to say. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. Really I mean, you just gonna have to play at F and M level with a uh, with <laughs> with a new uh, DCI number. So you're very close, right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Wow! I don't think Travis plays F and M though, so I think he's just as far away as ever. I don't want your pack per win garbage. All right, guys. Dude, Hello same. Oh, you're gonna what? Go ahead. You don't want you don't want pack per win either. No, man, I hate no pack does. per win. Okay, take a few moments and explain to everyone listening why pack per win is garbage. So, I'll, like, here's where I think pack per win is garbage is I don't think it encourages you to be a better player. It rewards mediocre play. And I think that that on a level, if you're going to play competitive magic, like, and I understand for some events, but like when we're firing showdowns and doing pack per win for standard showdown, which is supposed to be like the competitive standard event, it's like, dude, why are we even, why am I even wasting three hours of my life right now? We did top cut last night. (laughs) Yeah, and granted, we did do Top Cut last night, mm-hmm. but like that was a new thing because they were out of packs. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're like, hey, we uh, we can't get packs from the distributor, so uh, yeah, we're doing Top Cut now. I'm like, sweet, awesome, guys. Like, I don't even, I'm not even mad that I got fourth place now. Like, <laughs> yeah, where are the sparks popular? <laughs> yeah. Freddie, are, are you going to give so. your kid participation trophies? Uh, I'm going to throw them away and say no. You need to earn something, loser. Okay. No, probably not that harsh, but like, I'm not gonna like be like that NFL guy that was like actively taking away and like, no, you didn't earn this, but like, I'm oh, not yeah. gonna be like, yeah, man, good job, like getting 12th place, like. And then I'll hit him. I'll probably I'll probably be more like, hey, man, uh, what do you think we can do like in the future to do a little better? Then were you were you happy with 12th place? Not me either. Like, I'm super disappointed in you. Oh my gosh. Idiot. <laughs> Matt, no. Hello and welcome to episode three of Eternal Implications Podcast. I'm your host, Travis. I'm alongside Josh and Freddie, as you heard. Today's episode, we're going to delve a little deeper into who we are. Probably should have done this in episode one, but uh, <laughs> episode three, we're getting it done. Uh, the second half of the episode, we'll be looking into the horizon that is modern horizon we'll be making some speculation because spoiler season is upon us all right let's get into it josh let's hear when was your first experience with magic cards when did you see or play for the first time how did it come about uh for me i started oh man um i'm actually i just realized i'm the youngest in this group and i think (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I've been in competitive the longest. Uh, I started when I was about 11, uh, 11 or 12 during Onslaught Block. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my brother-in-law uh, was big, big, big into competitive magic. And he handed me goblin bidding because <laughs> I was yes. into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. And he's like, cool, man. He's like, you're good at that game. He's like, let's teach you how to play a good game. And uh, yeah, he handed me goblin bidding. And that was my first experience. Um, you know, and I I played goblins for a very, very, very long time. Um, and uh, I went on to top eight uh, states uh, during uh, Mirrodin Standard. I was 13. Uh, I remember a lot of people being mad that the uh, the the kid in the room had just rolled them uh, playing affinity like everybody else. <laughs> nice. That's really cool. Uh, and you didn't take any time off. You've been playing the whole time. I took about three years off. Um, I took most of high school off. Um, so from 2006 through 2009, I took off uh, just simply. I was, uh, was playing soccer a lot then and then uh, later in high school, I got in a marching band, and that consumed a lot of my time. Um, so about three years, and then I got back in um, right around 2010. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, my and then I know we're going to discuss favorite set of all time. My favorite set of all time is Innistrad, um, and uh, reason for that is that is right around the time my wife and I met, uh, 2011. And one of the first times we hung out, we actually opened uh, booster boxes of Innistrad. Um, and that's a memory I treasure. And I was doing really well in PTQs and just in competitive magic as a whole at that time. Um, and it's that block stemmed uh, one of my favorite cards, uh, Delver of Secrets. A uh, lot, of, lot, of, uh, lot of cool stuff from around that time. Uh, my favorite card from it isn't Delver. Uh, my favorite card from Innistrad is probably Liliana of the Veil. Um, but yeah. Uh, then my favorite formats and favorite deck. Uh, <laughs> that's hard. Uh, current favorite format is Modern. Um, and my favorite deck in Modern, as everybody knows, is Blue-White Control. My favorite format ever uh was legacy in 2011 when stoneblade was just everywhere and i played a boatload of stoneblade uh and it was just absolutely wonderful um my best magic memory uh was actually getting soul crushed by reed duke um you to play I, against reed duke yeah i've played against reed a couple times uh this was I'm so <laughs> this was he's so friendly and that's and that's why it's one of my favorite memories uh i had just come off of soul crushing um travis Wu. um he's he's as big as a, he's as big of an a-hole um as what you'd expect <laughs> i was gonna say it couldn't happen to a nicer guy <laughs> yeah um it was during call blade and i was playing call blade uh with the red splash for um um full shock whatever the 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 pinger guy um i was splashing red for that and lightning bolt and i remember <clears throat> talking to travis the round before and him being so rude and i was like wow man that's that's rough um and him going on and on and on about his manic vandal deck having a favorable matchup against the field and i just remember 
a not close 2-0, being very excited, being 5-0, uh, going in and playing against Reed and playing the mirror against Reed and just losing. Uh, and it wasn't close. Um, but I remember how kind he was and how helpful he was. Uh, and he's just a solid human being. And, it, you know, for me, that's one of my favorite magic memories. And it's it's close second to winning my first PTQ. Um, that's the only PTQ I've won. Uh, but I unfortunately didn't get to play in that PT uh, because I was moving to Oregon. Ironically enough, that PT was in Oregon. Uh, <laughs> I just what? did not. Yeah, I just didn't have the funds to attend. It was uh, uh it was Pro Tour Portland that year, 2013. Dude, that's uh, so rough. Yeah, like, I didn't that's have the cool, funds though. to attend. Moving across the country tends to do that. <clears throat> my biggest yeah, punts, it's weird. <laughs> my biggest punts ever. Um, oh man, that's hard. There's so many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I've got a good one. Um, I was playing. Um, Oh, what is the name of the deck? Uh, Wolf Run Ramp uh, during Dark Ascension Standard. Yeah. And um, I remember getting a uh, getting my Huntmaster to flip and then <clears throat> with the intention of killing my opponent's Phyrexian Crusader. This opponent was Jonesy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and this is its states. So I remember the intention of flipping this Huntmaster with killing the uh, Phyrexian Crusader. I don't know if you know the text box on Phyrexian Crusader. Uh, I'm not familiar. It says, protection from red and from white. Uh, <laughs> I was so mad that I, I had not cast a spell that turn in order to flip my, my, my Huntmaster that I forgot that I had a beast within in my hand that could have also killed the, the Phyrexian uh, Crusader and then went on to lose the whole match because I completely ignored that card in my hand because I tilted myself so much that I forgot this unplayable trash three-drop had protection from red. Ooh. Uh, it was rough. <laughs> it wasn't, like, super, super high level or anything. Like, it was literally states. Um, and I lost the match. Uh and then I think Jonesy got soul crushed uh, right after that, but I was so mad. <laughs> uh, Freddie, what about That's you? Rough. What's a uh, same song and dance? What about you? So uh, my first experience with magic cards. So I, like you said, you're the youngest. I think I'm the oldest out of the group. I'm the crusty old man. So uh, <laughs> back in whenever the Pokemon trading card game came out, I remember playing um, Pokemon and same same kind of story you had where my my best friend's older brother was like hey uh, that's that's cool like you guys want to play a real card game and you know we had seen him open magic cards before but like i wasn't really familiar with it and i wasn't like that into it and uh like mostly just kitchen table and you know on the playground at school during lunch cafeteria whatever um you know, back when men were men and there were no sleeves and we rubber banded our decks. And Wow, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, um, so when I got back into it and I played probably uh, through like my freshman year of high school and then kind of took a break, would bust them out every once in a while, like on a weekend or whatever, but it wasn't ever anything I was really um, serious about, like playing competitively or anything like that. So uh, I went on a long break and actually... Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Sergio was like, hey, have you ever heard of a game called Magic? And I was like, 
yeah, I used to play actually quite a bit. And he's like, oh, because we, uh, we got this like pre-release thing going on uh, downtown at Basin. And I was like, oh, that sounds like cool. Like, what's it like? And he told me a little bit about it. And I was like, yeah, that seems fun. Um, and I kind of, you know, got hooked again. And um, playing at a higher level is definitely a lot more fun for me because I'm a very competitive person at heart. So, um, yeah, I'd say over the course of the last two years, I've been trying to play a lot more and go to different events and uh, see how I can do. So all about improving and getting better. I remember truly introducing you to competitive magic. Yeah, with, definitely. Uh, with uh, Grixis Control. Uh, yeah. Actually, that was a Yuyawanabe deck. <laughs> Wait, was that a tower? Uh, yeah, that was his Grixis tower list. That was Yuyawanabe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. No wonder he had better uh-huh. fences than me. What's that? <laughs> did you mark your towers? Like, is that how you always had I it? Di- or? I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, in the first set that I played with was actually Urza Block. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so that's the first set that I ever like bought packs from or opened packs from. And then um, my favorite set, like, and not even because of um, you know any particular cards in it or anything like that. I would say just sheer nostalgia factor and like the memories that I have of um, hanging out with my friend and his brother. And uh, his brother, when he got paid, would always go and buy booster boxes, like. Uh, I think he was like 18, 19 at the time. And it was just like, he would go buy like two or three booster boxes when he got paid and we would just crack <laughs> packs and hang out and like, look at cards. And um, so I think uh, Mercadian mass was the, the one that I remember the most. And that was uh prophecy was the last one that I actually like played with, you know, consistently before taking a long break from the game. Um, yeah, so I think my favorite card from Mercadian Mass would be Rashadenport. Um, when I did play Legacy, Death and Taxes was a really fun deck that I enjoyed. And uh, so I just, I think that's probably for me one of my favorite magic cards that I have. Cool art. Like, I love the old art on those cards, like the old border cards. So. Arcadian Mass also has the best art of basic planes when coming from just like normal set expansions. Oh, yeah. The Mercadian Mass planes are gorgeous, as are the islands. Definitely. Um, Noted. <laughs> <laughs> so, my favorite format and deck, uh, favorite format definitely right now is modern. Um, hands down, like, I just really enjoy the format. Like, I think it's fast, it's fun. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So coming off of standard into uh, modern just kind of felt like turbocharged magic, and it was super sweet. Uh, my favorite deck, as you guys probably know, is Burn. It's what I've played the most of, and uh, I've told Travis before when we've gone to events, like, you know, I feel like it's like a crazy ex-girlfriend that you just can't get rid of, and uh, <laughs> I always I always go back to her, even, even when she lets me down. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, casting bolts and counting 21 in increments of three is a lot of fun. (laughs) So next one on my best magic memory. Uh, I think my best magic memory would probably be, 
uh, the team event that me and Josh did in the oh, fall. Oh man, yeah, that was uh, we played a team event at Guardian Games and then registered for the team event the next day at Time Vault, which is no longer in existence. Um, and just having a ton of fun playing with uh, Josh and our other friend Justin. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like all of our matches lined up the way we needed them to. And we made the top eight cut and ended up finishing, was it second? That we second, finished? yeah. Second yeah, place. So, um, that was a good day. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good day. It was just a ton of fun, and like you know, the highs of the highs of winning always are better than the lows of losing. <laughs> yeah, I, I finished uh, that day X and two. It was it was a good feel. <laughs> <laughs> so, and whenever whenever your uh, teammates did let you down, the other ones seemed to pull it out. So, oh, I know everything just like everything just lined up for us. Yeah, I lost once in the Swiss, but when I would lose, like either you or Justin would win. Usually, you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my tabernacle triggers. I, I think I think your biggest punt coming up might have been you and I letting Justin play goblins. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was definitely a punt on our part. But I think my biggest punt actually happened like 48 hours ago oh yeah <laughs> um and like a lot of our friends got to watch it which was really embarrassing and you know travis helped me with it so that was that was fun um, also my biggest punt for the record it was also, i was gonna say it might also be travis's biggest punt ever <laughs> but travis like, for having my mic muted dude just just jam scape shift you got 36 damage on board i'm like i don't think so man i i don't think that's gonna resolve right and he's like no dude you got it and then our other friends like yeah dude you got this just do it and so i'm like what am i fetching here and travis like valica and five mountains i'm like okay and so i do it and no triggers go on the stack and everyone's like oh no i'm like yeah i thought that's what was gonna happen meanwhile as i (laughs) scream into the abyss josh is crying (laughs) softly in the background Um, muted the whole time (laughs) uh but like other than that i would say one of my biggest punts was actually when i was first starting to play like standard again and playing against tristan on teamer energy and i uh disallowed his cycle activation because i didn't know what the hell i was doing oh no he just like laughed at me and was like yeah absolutely and then jammed a bristle a bristling hydra the next turn and it was uh really ugly so yeah. Oh no. Hard hard learned lesson. So Travis, what what do you got for us? Sure. When I first exper- like my first experience with magic cards was back in fifth edition, uh in Tempest. At the time, I could barely read. So like uh the cards just didn't mean anything to me. I didn't understand how you tapped a mana. I thought after you tapped a land it went to the graveyard. So we ended up just playing like war, like you just flip the top card and whoever has the highest converted mana cost wins. <laughs> and, you nice. got to keep, and you got to keep the cards. That was the scary part. So like... Uh, oh, wow. So you guys like played for keeps. Yeah. It was, I mean, we didn't understand that they had value or anything like that. It was really weird. So... Uh, yeah. I, of, I feel you on that. Stream of Life was an X spell. And X was infinite, so that was like the best thing you could draw. Yeah. Uh, so that was like a really long time ago, like 1997. 
Then so sorry to interrupt you, Travis, but you talking about not recognizing value of cards or anything like that. Like I remember proxying cards on dual lands, like writing, like you had a foil card that was like some foil uncommon or whatever, and you didn't want to get all scratched up and like writing, you know, whatever card it was on a dual land and like throwing it in the deck. (laughs) Wow. You did that? Yeah. That's so painful. I never did anything like that. I did do the rubber band thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like praying to God that I did not have wastelands in my deck. Cause <laughs> <laughs> y'all are a bunch of damn scrubs. I never rubber banded. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, anyway, uh, then I got really into magic again in high school. That was 2003. You already mentioned onslaught and, uh, mirrored in block. My friends were really into affinity. I was really into tooth and nail. Um, Oh yes. That was yeah. a sweet deck. Yeah, mostly the Platinum Angel version where you could put Platinum Angel into play. That was pretty neat. Then uh, I got a girlfriend, and that meant no magic. So I got back into magic uh, about five years ago. And um, it took me about three years to get to the point where I felt competent and capable enough to play GPs. I went to my first GP like immediately after I started playing, and I lost a game because I didn't remand a flashbacked Lingering Souls because I thought it would go to his hand. I just read my remand and it said, you know, it goes back to their hand. I'm like, geez, he gets to cast it twice now. So after I saw that I got the ruling wrong, I was like, man, I'm just not going to play competitively. Uh, so about two years ago, started playing competitively and really delving in i play every night now so yep yep nice. so my, my favorite set of all times cons of tarkir uh drafted that set right around 80 times i think my favorite card from that set is abzan guide it's a common uh my favorite draft like uh, archetype from that was five color morphs kenji made it pretty popular when he was streaming and it just became obvious this is what you wanted to do and play 18 lands Abzan Guide was like the premier morph that you wanted to have. Uh, it's a 4-4 lifelinker that morphs for Abzan and two. So it was like my baby. He and I have a lot of good memories. <laughs> my favorite format is actually Vintage. I play Vintage probably more than any other format. And uh, lately I'm taking a break because it's so crazy right now. They did the London Mulligan rule online and... Every deck changed. And then they took the Lennon Mulligan rule away, and War of the Spark came out, and then every deck changed again because uh, the new cards are just crazy. Karn specifically, and then also uh, all the blue decks are playing uh, the new blue-blue one spell that your opponents can't draw more than one card. Narset. Yeah, the new Narset. I already bought mine, but I'm not excited about relearning all the new decks. My be- my best magic memory, I've got a couple. It's really hard to pick. I want to say two. One was getting my first piece of power. That was uh, really neat. And then my second favorite is probably going 8-0 on day one of GP Seattle. It was a legacy GP, and I went undefeated day one with no buys, so that was like I had so many lucky plays. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, then I got my picture taken and posted on Wizards' uh, website. That was just really neat. 
My biggest punt happened the next day. So uh, I was eight and one, and my opponent was about to storm off. It was a very complicated board state, and I had to tap four of, or excuse me, three of my four mana sources. I left up uh, a tropical island, and my opponent, uh, oh, I cast Leovold, and my opponent looks at the Leovold and thinks, okay, like you can tell something's up with the Leovold, but I didn't register what it was. So he starts uh, adding Dark Ritual to the stack, Cabal Ritual, and has significant amounts of mana floating. And then he casts uh, Past in Flames with a very stock graveyard. I tanked for about three minutes just thinking, how can I get out of this? Because he's obviously going to over overwhelm what I can do. And uh, I just conceded on the stack because there was no uh, way in my mind that I was going to be able to do it. And he was dumbfounded. And like we sign the match slip, the judge takes it, he walks off, and he comes back and he says, you know, every time I target you with tendrils, you get to draw a card because of Leovold, right? And I was like, no, that can't be true. Oh, <laughs> no. A, it was another one of these rules things that I just oh, no. recognized. So I could have drawn Flusterstorm and beat him, and then I would have been 9-1. But uh, And I had two That's in the cool. deck, and I would have drawn... Uh, yeah you would have had to have put a significant number of tendrils on the stack. So I had like eight chances. It was a bummer. Anyway, I don't, I try not to make punts like that, but as you guys heard, I'm pretty loose when it comes <laughs> to certain, certain matches. It happens. You, you know, the thing, the thing too with like big punts like that is I think what, differentiates what makes you a good magic player from an average or a not very good magic player is like taking away and actually like learning from it and you know now you know this ruling that hey that's not going to happen again i know how this works and or hopefully it's not going to happen again it might but um and i just think you know i think analyzing play and stuff like that is a really important thing I think being able to accept a punt as a punt and not like, oh, well, it was the right play at the time. Uh, I think that's huge. And I think a lot of people uh, fall into that trap of either trying to justify or go, "Uh, I don't know. I don't think it mattered um, rather than analyzing. So, yeah, I agree. It's a very important skill to have. I'm also just really salty. So, like, (laughs) whenever I punt, I get this, like, nasty feeling in my gut. And then I'm like playing suboptimally the rest of the day. Yeah, no bueno. Yeah. How but, did you play in your leagues after you misread Escape Shift? Uh, not great. <laughs> okay, we we need to talk about that. So he ended up winning that game where Escape Shift didn't kill his opponent. It's true. And then, yeah. And then, or he won the match. We got there. But for the whole league, he went one four. So that. Yeah, that was the only match that I won. This that only <laughs> match win. Um, yeah, I lost to Esper twice, and I can't remember what the other one was. Um, I'm trying to think now, and I can't, I can't remember what that, what that fifth one was. But yeah, like, um, I definitely feel like, you know, playing a new deck, there's always a learning curve to it. And um, especially playing MTGO, uh, (laughs) for me, like, I haven't played a ton of MTGO. Like, I've just been starting to get into it in the past few months. So 
Um, like the the misclicks and stuff like that is a very real factor. <laughs> uh, like you resolve your fetch spell and didn't grab a land on accident or something stupid like that. You know those things add up and uh, yeah, for sure. I don't think in my later matches, like after I cried myself to sleep that night and woke up the <laughs> next day and played um, played those next couple matches, like. I didn't feel like I had any glaring punts like that where it was like, oh, that's so obvious. Like, I feel like there are more, you know, sub decisions of like, hey, do I fetch here or do I leave this up and wait until the next turn? Um, you know, some of those like smaller decisions that just come with experience playing decks and, uh, you know, the ones like, I'm sure Travis would probably say there's certain things when he plays Infect that are kind of like autopilot that you don't even think about, but if you put a new deck in your hand, it's like, huh, is that really the right play, or is that, you know, so I think just learning and coming up with those new ideas and um, seeing the lines and where they are and how to take them properly is definitely huge. I would love to do a whole episode on this. This is called Heuristics, Developing like mental states where you don't even have to think about it. You just operate on the fly based off of you just know. Yeah. Based off of your previous experiences and like board states that you've already encountered. So you, uh-huh. based on this heuristic, you can make a play and you don't have to you know sit down and read every card and think, okay, what's the probability of drawing X? Uh, you just make your play. Right. Yeah. It's uh that's exactly how I play control so quickly. And I'm sure you'll attest to the same Travis. I, I remember you and I were playing the control mirror and the comment of, I don't think I've ever seen a control mirror be played that quickly by both players. <laughs> Unfortunately, we still went to time, uh, but uh, yeah, that was a fun match. And if both players draw their decks three times, you're going to have to play pretty quick. Yeah, no. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, modern horizons guys. Um, yes, I'm so excited to talk about this. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah so uh, last couple weeks uh, definitely had some ups and downs in the community. We talked about Mark Cards, the Yuya situation, which actually when I wrote this, it was still you know TBD. Uh, we found out today that Yuya is facing a 30-month ban, also being stripped of his Hall of Fame status, uh, which I think for a lot of people, that's really just you know, a bummer. I know Travis is super bummed about it. Um, eBay yeah. last week killed us all a little bit inside with the epic failure of the war of the mythical edition. No one really knows if it exists yet. And to the release <laughs> and shakeup of the formats associated with war of the spark, uh, modern horizons looking forward to it and kind of excited a little bit, you know, weary what's going to, what's going to come of this. So last week we talked about ban list, um, I think aside from some of Josh's outlandish takes on dig through time, uh, <laughs> we, we, we came to consensus that modern's in a pretty good spot. And, you know, we think we all really enjoy the format right now. And, uh, but we're curious what's going to come out and what's going to change and how's it going to go. So uh, with the next set, uh, modern horizons, we're looking at a straight to modern set. So it skips standard. Uh, none of these cards will be standard legal. Uh, preview season starts at the end of this month, uh, and then the pre-release weekend is going to be the uh, 8th and through 9th of 
June, so about a month away. 254 new to modern cards, minus basic lands, and a buy a box promo that is a reprint. It's not going to be a mechanically unique card, and so far market price is about $190. So, yes. move, moving forward with that, uh, we've seen Sarah the Benevolent, so the new Sarah Planeswalker. Um, so the plus two creatures you control flying get plus one, plus one until the end of turn. Minus three, create a four-four white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. And minus six, get an emblem if you control a creature. Damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. A player may concede the match at any time. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, an unremovable worship. Yeah, so, hey, you know, worship is good, but... Wow, and you can do it on the second turn you have it, or the third turn you have it out. Yeah, yeah. You can, do it on the, you can do it on the second turn. So comes down plus second turn. Oh, and, yeah, you can do it on the second turn. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I've good. noticed uh, like pre-orders for that card are going about $45 right now. That's way overpriced. I agree. I think this card will see some sideboard play <clears throat> in creature decks, uh, but uh, not a whole lot else. Uh, it is a cool card to see printed, though, and it's mechanically very unique, I think. Yeah, it it seems very powerful. Like on face value, it just seems like a powerful card. But you know, as to what it actually goes in or where it's going to fit. Yeah, this is a uh, perfect example of things they could not put in standard. Like yeah, I think this hits absolutely. the nail on the head. You couldn't put that card in standard. Like we had Gideon Ally of Zendikar, and he was borderline too good. This card's this card's probably better than that. Depending on how you build your deck, for sure. Right, and, and then. then you want the plus two to do something. Right, exactly. So next up, we got Cabal Therapist. Yes. Uh, one black <laughs> horror. So this guy plays with Thing in the Ice. Menace, <laughs> at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, choose a non-land card name. Then target player reveals their hand and discards all cards of that name. Uh, seems pretty good. Yeah, so Josh, uh, you were the first person who brought this up to me. This card probably will find a home in Bridgevine, mm-hmm. uh, barring you know no other huge shakeups to the format, uh, with the 254 cards being printed, which is almost a guarantee. But Bridgevine will almost certainly want this. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a testament to while it reads a lot like Cabal Therapy. I think this card is distinctly different from Cabal Therapy. Because Therapy, you can run in Faradex. You know, Grixis Delver's played it in the past in Legacy. Nick Fit, a uh, prime example of a fair deck playing it. Um, I don't think you ever really want this in a fair deck. Um, I think you want this in unfair creature matchups, such as Bridgevine, like we talked about, um, traditional Dredge, even, um, and then um, Devoted Druid combo decks. And then in Legacy, um, the Goblin Bombardment decks. Uh, oh, sure, so, sure. Yeah, uh, which is actually a card, uh, which we'll get to it. Uh, Goblin Bombardment is a card I would love to see in Modern Horizons. I think that would be uh, a fantastic addition to the format. I want to add one thing. I think uh, Black White Tokens also wants Cabal Therapist. If oh, yeah, that that's true. Yeah, definitely. Deck, if that ever becomes a deck again. Yeah, and uh, and again, being the uh, keyword because it's been very, very powerful in the past. So, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that's what we have available right now on Modern Horizons. So the next question is, what's going to come next? What uh, what other things are going to come along with this? Um, I'll I'll go first because I'm like really excited for this uh, because I was a longtime Legacy fan who's just recently been disillusioned, I guess. Um, I would. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would really like to see. Um, there's a few cards. Um, my big one and my number one want, uh, besides Counterspell, which I'm sure everybody can guess at, is uh, Veteran Explorer. I I think that is a sweet card. I played it a lot in Legacy, and I think it would, I think it would be fine and really fun in Modern. Um, for those who don't know, Veteran Explorer is a one-one for a green mana uh, human. Um, whenever he dies, um, each player searches their library for two basic lands and puts them onto the battlefield. Uh, it rewards you for building your deck in a certain way. Uh, you know, um, having a lot of basic lands and Legacy. Um, you get to break that symmetry because people aren't really running that many, whereas you're running seven to nine, depending on your configurations. And even like the Allure Index have played uh, Veteran Explorer in the past. Uh, but, uh, you know, in modern, there's not a lot of basic lands either. Um, so I would, I would really, really, really love to see that card in the set. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, I have a couple things I want to say. Briefly, number one, uh, I watched. I rewatched the stream where they announced Modern Horizons today, mm-hmm. and they specifically named Cabal Therapist as like top ten in the set. So there's only so many cards that can be more powerful than Cabal Therapist. Uh, as we go through this list, we have to kind of bear that in mind. The second thing I want to say is there's likely been some leaks already, not to the public, but there are. Uh, murmurs and rumors in the financial MTG finance discords that I'm in that there's going to be a bunch of snow permanents. Uh, so snow covered basics. Uh, there's kind of a hint in the way they've been talking about basic lands this whole time, saying those are like reprints, not just they're adding basic lands. So a lot of people are suggesting the five basic lands are going to be snow covered. Interesting. Uh, if you yeah, if you didn't if you follow the financial world too, scrying sheet foils exploded about four weeks ago just because everyone heard there's gonna be these snow permanents. And so they started buying up the snow cards that they know already. Um so with yeah. that said, I, I have a huge list of cards that I just wanted to bring in front of you guys and dive into them one by one. Uh I wanted to start with the blue cards. We have Counterspell. That's the big one that everyone's anticipating. I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Do you think Counterspell will make a difference in Modern? Not much. Um, I think Blue White just and Jeskai will just cut their uh, cut their logic knots. And I think that's about it. Uh, I don't think it'll be this boogeyman. Um, they almost put it in Dominaria, right? Like it just barely missed out the cut and to fairies, the only reason it missed the cut, they didn't want you untapping into counter spell. Um, so I don't think it's going to cha- it would change the format too much. I think it would just make control a little bit better than what it is a little more, um, uh, a little more able to play with its graveyard too. That lets you play other delve things, right? Like, uh, Esper can play cards like Tassiger at that point, um, which is pretty cool. 
uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like Dicks I know. Griff- time. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> correct. Yeah. Sorry, Josh. I had no, to no, no, you're good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we've covered that. I, I acknowledge that's insane, uh, but I don't think, I don't think it would make this huge impact. I do not, yeah. especially now that we have Dovin's veto and it's, it's very, very powerful. And people are only playing that card as a singleton or to a two of your, yeah. I like your observations. I agree with them completely. As a, I own Jeskai, and Logic Knot isn't super powerful. Encounter Spell is not much of an upgrade. Uh, there's just so, like, Modern is so fast right now. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to my second card, and I want to clarify this one as well. On the stream, they mentioned that the most powerful card in the set, like the headliner, is blue. So my thought is that Force Ooh. of Will is going to be in Modern Horizons. What do you guys think? Um, so part of me does not want free counter magic, uh, which I know is weird coming from the guy who plays blue white, but the other part of me is really, really sick of dying to people going, oh yeah, you try to sculpt your hand on turn one. Let me punish you. Um, so that's, that's my big issue, but I would, I think I would like to see it. Yeah, I think, I think force of will is definitely a shakeup, like, you know, ha- it changes how you have to play certain aspects of your deck if you're, you know, a proactive deck. Um, I just... Because it's one of those cards where we've talked about it before. It's not, like, a great card. Like, it's a powerful card, but it's, you know, you lose cards, you it is card take damage. Yeah, it's card disadvantage. Like, there's downside to it. And I feel like I would rather see force of will over days i agree as crazy as that might sound like i think i think days is too powerful for modern like specifically because of the card death shadow yeah and like just you know that whole that whole aspect of like it's not really card disadvantage if you're playing a control deck because you've got you keep the card and it's just a free counter spell basically when you tap out on turn two or whatever yeah, uh, I really like what you guys are saying. Forcible does have a downside in Legacy and in Vintage. You typically cite it out in the fair matchups. You just have it in because you know you could die on turn one in those formats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you were to put it in Modern, I'm not sure how great it would be. The only thing it really enables is the ability to tap out and not die. So like, I'm you're, really you're... upset that it, I'll be really upset if it does get reprinted because I just got rid of mine yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's actually a great thing for you because you want to. Yeah, get they'll, they'll they'll tank. <laughs> but, uh... This is a yeah. We need to clarify. This set is print to demand. Yeah, so absolutely. they're gonna they're gonna print it into the ground. But, like card prices will drop dramatically. Yeah, I mean, look at conspiracy for the perfect example. Show and tell went from eighty dollars to like seventeen or something. Oh my gosh, that's so true. So okay, I want to uh, mention one thing about this card. Cassius Marsh, he's a linebacker and a defensive lineman for the Seattle Seahawks now. He was on the stream, and he specifically asked them, like, hey, you're going to print True Name and Modern? We need to make Merfolk better. So, like, the whole (laughs) whole chat just lost their minds on this, you know. He's actually really smart and fun to watch. He plays Commander a lot. He's a great personality. But they're, like, making fun of the the football player, Jock 
guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. Do you, I think there's uh, room in for what he's saying. I think true name would be fine in modern. What do you guys think? Alakitic now, why not? Yeah, Liliana's, uh, what is it, Triumph? Yeah, yeah, we have So I think if it does get printed, Travis changes his tune from Liliana's Triumph is trash in modern to, hey, that's a great card in modern. Right, well, context is king. I think you're right, I would. Yeah, context is king. Uh, I was trying it in Grixis Control and Esper Control. I was thoroughly unimpressed because all of my other cards killed the stuff. That wouldn't be the case if True Name Nemesis were around. Yeah. Do you think it's too powerful? No, I don't. Not at all. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you. Well, I mean, actually, I expect you to say nothing is too powerful on ban everything. <laughs> no. Once again. I, mean, I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely like on the fence about it because I've lost a true name nemesis a lot. <laughs> And, and I'm I promise like, you, if it gets unbanned, I will play it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah, and I know that, but I'm just saying, like, when I look at True Name Nemesis, I'm like, oh, well, there's just a card that, you know, I do nothing about. Or do I just, like, do you put Circle of Protection Blue into every deck and Splash White? Well, there's, there's ways to interact. So you have Blast Zone, you have Engineered Explosives, you have Edict Effects, you have Wrath That's true. There's lots of ways to interact. It's just yeah. not spot removal. Right. Yeah. And I, I actually like that a lot um, because if you know you're on the play and you, you slam your true name, uh, Phoenix or what be it can't just attack you for six with no repercussions, especially if you untap and put a sword on it or something. If, you know, Stoneforge Mystic gets unbanned. Well, Phoenix like, is the exact deck that I was thinking true name isn't good against because it gets bounced by uh, Thing in the Oh, Thing in the Ice. Yeah, I forgot and about that, that. That's true. And then it, it also, can't block like... Yeah, it can't block the flyers either. Except for thing. Yeah, well, if you're blocking a thing, you've already lost the game. <laughs> but, uh, unless you threads of disloyalty, right, Freddy? Uh, but, uh... So, anyways, moving on to the green cards. <laughs> yeah, I want to mention, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Miscalculation, Force Spike, or Standstill printed in the set. Uh, there's a lot of talk about opposition, but I think that's probably too powerful. How about misdirection? I don't think it does anything. No, I just think it's there, a little there, hard. There's too, many, <laughs> there's too many creature decks. So. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's go to the green oh, cards. I actually do have a blue spell to add before we move on, sorry. Uh, stifle. Oh! What? Are you stifle stifle is... We already have squelch. So. What, what is it, Travis? I already have Squelch. I don't think we need Stifle. Yeah, it's one mana less, right? You get to draw a card, and then your opponent expects it because it's actually good. <laughs> yeah, it's playable. Uh, <laughs> I like to play Squelch. I, I, I think you print True Name and Stifle, and then Merfolk becomes playable. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, like you're saying, moving on to green. Uh, who, who, uh, who's got some stuff ready for us here? I do again. I would like to see Elvish Spirit Guide printed in Modern Horizons. And for those who don't know, it's Simeon Spirit Guide, like exactly the same, except it's not an ape, it's a spirit. Green instead of red uh, for the mana cost and what it produces when you exile it. It's a 2 2. All right. Uh, as someone who thinks all the fast mana should not exist in Modern, please justify this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Simeon Spirit Guide is 
<laughs> awesome. The red guys are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, only red spells in modern allow you to skip a turn. So when we talk about... It's true. The Yeah, so we have to ban a couple of them. If you look at the ban list, uh, like Rite of Flame, that's too powerful. Um, but there's just nothing like a Lotus Petal effect. There's nothing like Elvish Spirit Guide, for example. Um, I mean, maybe you get like Lotus Bloom, but that's three turns later. So I think red has this uh, unfair advantage of being broken that none of the other color pairs have. And I think Elvish Spirit okay. Guide would open up a whole series of decks that don't exist at present. And I like that idea. All right. I'm swayed. I, I could get into that. Other than dying to, to Druid combo a, a turn sooner. I'm, I'm into it. I don't think Druid plays this. <laughs> Look, I just have a vendetta against that deck, Travis. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think this card creates a whole new dynamic uh, where we're so used to red being able to ramp and skip turns and add mana and through the breach and all sorts of crazy things. Green doesn't have that. Uh, maybe you play your uh, mana dorks, but this does it at a rate that you can't predict, and I like that a lot. No, I'm I'm into it. I I am swayed. I could see it. Bueno, the next one and the next one after are both super greedy uh, because I play infect, and I would like to see these cards. I, I saw that last one there, and that one I was like, oh, of course Travis put this on here. I don't think it's more than a two of, but it's pretty bonkers if you can. So the first one is Crop Rotation. Uh, it's green for an instant. As an additional cost, you have to sacrifice a land. Search your library for a land card and put that card onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Crop Rotation would create a whole new set of mana bases in Modern. And I would just love to see what people would do and tinker with. Also, as the Infect player, being able to instant speed search up your Ink Moth Nexus, untapped even, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, fun fact, and the uh, it's perfect that you actually use the reprinted art for this. So, I'm on board with Crop Rotation in Modern. Um, it was almost in battle for Zendikar. Uh, this is reused art and flavor text. And it, they ended up putting it in the dual deck uh, instead of putting it in the set. Uh, but uh, it was almost in Zendikar. Or Battle for Zendikar. I didn't uh, know that. That's really neat. I would be super, super into that. Dude, I would buy foils and mortgage my house, but it's so neat. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, it, again, this is me being super greedy. No. The Infect player. Berserk! Give me no. Trample! No. no. Stop. Stop. Okay. Let me read it, because it's also a removal spell. Uh, Berserk is green for an instant. It's also a removal spell. Have I, you ever read this card? It's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's it's a removal spell. You got it. This is this is on par with Dick Through Time, Travis. You can kill Polia. It's so good. This is on this is on par <laughs> with Dick Through Time. Oh yeah, man, I, I won't read it then. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it, is so, it is so good. That's why we're saying this the is the issue. <laughs> All right, Freddie, can you take us into the white cards? The, into the white cards. So, uh, I was actually poking around some different things and looking at you know what were other people talking about, and these ones, uh, some of them came up consistently. So, 
uh, Recruiter of the Guard. So when Recruiter enters the battlefield, search for a library for a creature card with toughness 2 or less, reveal it, put it in your hand, shuffle your library. Um, Council's Judgment. So we each vote for a non-land permanent and then exile the permanent with the most votes, or which is tied for the most votes. So vote against me, please. Uh, and then Containment Priest. So as I said before, Rashad and Port is one of my favorite cards. Uh, you know, Death and Taxes, obviously, we've talked about Hate Bears and Modern, and I think being able to bring some of those actual, like, DNT elements into the format is probably, I know Josh has talked about slowing the format down. Um, I think a deck like this definitely helps that. Here's my one issue with those cards you named. Can you read the creature type on those for me? Um, I see Cleric and Soldier. Okay, uh, what about before that? <laughs> oh, wow. uh, creature. Yep, it's, there's not a problem here, Josh. Just let's move on. I absolutely okay, they're think... Humans, they're humans. I, I see it. <laughs> I absolutely think Recruiter would be an issue. I do not want them tutoring up Meddling Mage Man. <laughs> I mean, you don't want them tutoring up whatever it is they need at that particular yeah. moment in containment, time. Containment Priest, I'm down for. You cannot put Recruiter in the card in the format. <laughs> like, please That's no. fair. <laughs> Council's Judgment, I'm 100% down for, though. Um, you know, I think Council's Judgment some, is a sweet card. Like, it has, cool. it has some rules issues because of Will of the Council's meant for multiplayer. Um, but I'd, you know, I'd be happy to see it. Uh, and then I see there are Swords to Plowshares. Yes, please. So, exile target creature, uh, gain life equal to its power. I mean... And I'm going to make the prediction that this is actually in the set. I think it's a no-brainer. I think I so, think too. I don't... Yeah, and I don't think there's an issue with it. You know, it's got downside. Like, I think you play this over... Uh, path to, path, path to a lot of times. Yeah, um, well, 90% of the time. Uh, you know, unless you get better in Explorer, of course. Um, the Veteran Explorer decks play Path over it because you're ripping your basics out of your opponent's deck and breaking the symmetry. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, this keeps Death Shadow from ever becoming too big of a problem, right? Oh, yeah. Death Shadow isn't even a problem right now, but... No, no, no. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I want to say it's probably not 90 in Modern. There are a bunch of specifically green, black, but also blue, white, and even Jeskai that try to, over the course of the game, take all the basic lands out of your opponent's deck through Field of Ruin, That's true. Exile. Then there's also tax decks that would consider playing either of these. And with the Leonin Arbiter, I think it is, you yeah. want the path instead of the swords. There's a couple of yeah, scenarios and death, where... Yeah. yeah. And Legacy Death and Taxes usually plays like six total of this effect in the 75. Like you usually have two paths in the side or whatever. Uh, and Miracles will often run one as well. So we might even see splits. Uh, it's the wonderful human being that put Astral Slide on here. I think that would be Travis. Yeah, I, I am 100% down for Astral Slide being in Modern. I think you have to give us the one-mana cycle lens, though. Never a player cycles card, you may remove target creature from the game. <laughs> if you do, return that creature. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I put this card as a want. This is something that has been speculated on, and the foil shot up when they announced the set. The reason being, Julian Nauten in 2004, he won Worlds. Uh, he's a player who took 
a significant break and made a bunch of money playing poker, but he started playing Magic again just recently. Uh, he won Worlds with Astral Slide, green-white Astral Slide against the Affinity deck that had to be banned at some point. Yeah, uh, so I'm just uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just super in love with this card, and I'm like, like coveting its presence in Modern so badly. I don't think it's good, but I would like to see it. Yeah, uh, I think they should run the whole cycle, honestly. Uh, like the the Lightning, I can't remember what it's called, the one that deals damage <laughs> when you cycle. Um, yeah, they, I don't think they should print the whole cycle because then they're throwing away modern slots. I think Astral Slide <laughs> is the only one that really matters. Uh, the red one saw play too. Yeah, it did, but, but I'm, I'm thinking in present modern, Astral yeah, Slide is what you would want. That's fair. And then Glow Rider, it's uh, another Thalia. I don't think this is necessary when we have Ren Wingmare. Uh, that's just the same thing, but flies. I mean, do you... Does this even see play? It's a human, right? I mean, it's a human, but like you already have Thalia at one less with first strike. This is Thalia three, or excuse me, five through eight, if you wanted it. Okay. And then you play that's... things like Ghost Quarter and like really try to take the lands out of your opponent's deck. That's a lot of hate, dude. Like Glow Rider gets played a lot in Vintage. So yeah, that's cool. I'll vouch. I like. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, moving on to red. Uh, unless you guys have any white cards to add. No. Um, let's move on to red. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take this one uh, because I saw whoever did this doc included my two most wanted red cards, uh, and that is Goblin Lackey and Goblin Ringleader. Man. <laughs> can you, Josh, can you tell us what these do for the? Uh, yeah, Goblin Lackey uh, is a 1-1 one, one for red. Uh, whenever it deals damage to a player, you can put a Goblin permanent uh, from your hand onto the battlefield. And then Goblin Ringleader is a 2-2 two, two, uh, for 3 and a red haste. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield, you reveal the top four cards of your library, reveal all Goblin cards revealed this way, put them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I have a lot of good memories with these cards. Like I said, I played Goblin Bidding. Um, and I've played various other Goblin decks over the years when they've been good, uh, unlike our teammate. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, hey, Justin, but, uh, uh, when you listen to the podcast, we love you, dude. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Like, I, for, I forgave you. Josh hasn't. I, I will never forgive him. Um, yeah, I don't even know if Lackey would see play in Modern. Um, but... Uh, I would, I would sure like to see it. Uh, I, you know, we just got War Chief in Dominaria, um, and we've got a few other toys. Uh, there's a few other cards I think you would need to make goblins complete, like Jim Palm Incinerator, but that goes along with them printing Astral Slides, so you have a cycling sub theme uh, to draft, which I think would be cool. Um, and then another red card for me uh, would be um, Goblin Bombardment. Um, and uh, I've got to get the exact text on it here. So bear with me, guys. So while Josh is pulling that up, um, I'll talk about a couple of the ones that I want as far as red cards are concerned. Are you about um, to get unreasonable? I I mean, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> Berserk unreasonable? Yes. Like, <laughs> I, I've said before, like, jokingly, Fire Blast would be amazing, but I don't think that that's even realistic. Um, also, sulfuric vortex, but once again, 
Holy the one God. that I do think is somewhat reasonable would be Price of Progress. What? You oh, think yeah. that's the somewhat reasonable one? Yeah, I think that's somewhat reasonable. That's the least reasonable one. Yeah, no. You think I, so? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, then give me Fire Blast. And we'll no, I, 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 would be fine, <laughs> I, I would actually be fine with Fire Blast. Like, especially if we're getting Force of Will. Yeah. So, but, what are your thoughts on Chain Lightning? Um, its rules text is weird, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. Like, I don't know. And once again, just the burn player in me. So, <laughs> uh, Goblin Bombardment, though, is an enchantment. One in a red, sacrifice a creature, deals one damage to target creature or player. Um, there's some goofy combos you can set up with this, of course. Um, there, uh, there's the, the deck they call Walking Dead, which is firing off um, blood gas and stuff. Uh, that's pretty cool. And that is something I'd like to see um, in the format, I don't think it would be particularly good. Uh, but you would certainly play it in the uh, the Bridgevine decks. But I think that's fine. It's a legacy deck. Yeah, so. it is. So before we move on from the red cards, one that I do want your guys' opinion on, and like I don't think it's going to get reprinted, but what are your thoughts on the Blast cards, like the red and the blue Elemental Blast? Too powerful yeah. for Modern? No, I don't think they're too powerful at all. We were chatting about this at the LGS the other day. Um, I would like to see not blue and red, but I would like to see green and black. Yes. So, uh, Interesting. I would yeah. like to see new colors on those. In the same way they did Cabal Therapist instead of Cabal Therapy, I would like to see new colors. Yep. And this set, this set is a love letter to uh, a love letter to Time Spiral. Um, so. Okay. That's a very reasonable thing to do. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd be super into that. Either way, either the color-shifted ones or the actual ones. If they print the actual ones, I'll be pleased because I have beta copies. That would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun to play them. <laughs> uh, moving on to black, um, we got Innocent Blood, which is a sorcery from one black. Each player sacrifices a creature. Um, and then Engineered Plague. It's an enchantment for two and a black. You name a creature type when it enters. All creatures of the chosen type get minus one, minus one. And then Oubliette. It's a black O-ring with some implications on like counters and it, auras and stuff. It's weird. It's a popper reprint, right? Uh, it's currently popper legal. Yeah. So uh, Innocent Blood, I'd like to see, um, especially in conjunction with Veteran Explorer, because uh, that's half the combo. Um yeah, I think it's a super, super reasonable card. Um, Engineered Plague, especially if we get True Name Nemesis, uh, I think that's a, a card you want. It's only missing Modern by one set. And then Oubliette, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't think it would see play or anything, but like, I know Popper players will really, really want it. Um, another black card I'd like to see, uh, which you know brings up more stuff from the, earlier in this podcast is uh, Patriarch's Bidding. And for those who don't know, it's Sorcery, 3 and 2 black. Each player chooses Jesus. a creature type. Each player returns all creature cards of, a, uh, of the type chosen this way from their graveyard to play. Um, and basically, the way this the, the deck worked was you fired off all your goblins through your bombardment, and then you would Patriarch's Bidding them back into play and do it again. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd like to see this in the set. I don't know if it's reasonable or not. It's five mana. 
That's interesting. I'm not sure it would see a lot of play. There's yeah, I don't think very, so either. There's very few five mana spells that get played. Yeah. Uh, I Off the top of my head, I can't even think of one, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> there's a handful. They were mostly blue-white cards, but... Uh, yeah. Gideon, uh, Teferi. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's got to be really good to mm-hmm. be a five-mana five play. And I don't know. I think yeah. Oubliette, I wanted to mention Oubliette just because the way they were talking about the set, this was a set where they said, I wonder if we could print X, Y, and Z. And the person who was from Wizards at the in the cast was like, this was the set where we said yes to every single one of them. And I know Popper yeah. players have been crying for an Oubliette reprint for ages. Last time it was printed was Arabian Nights. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and it's not on the reserve list, so it's a common. So yeah, um, yeah. This other section on here, um, it's interesting. Um, we we got Lotus Petal, uh, zero mana artifact. Sack it at a mana of any color to your mana pool. Uh, Baleful Strix, one one flying death touch for a blue and a black. Whenever it enters, you draw a card. Uh, Maze of Ith, it's a land untap. Uh, target attacking creature, prevent all combat damage that creature would uh, deal and be dealt this turn. And then Wasteland, sa- uh, sacrifice to destroy target non-basic land. Um, I don't think Lotus Petal is better than Mox Opal. But I'm hesitant to do things like Lotus Petal. I, man, I don't know if I want Storm having Lotus Petal, right? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of where I am with it. <laughs> oh, I'm a surprise to hear you have discretion in this area. <laughs> I man, I told you it's fast mana. That's where that's where I'm I'm put off. <laughs> I'm not too worried about it because Yogmoth's will isn't gonna be in modern. That's true. That's very so, true. That's <laughs> where you really break Lotus Petal and Black oh, Lotus. Yeah. But uh I think it's gonna be fine. If it gets printed at rare or mythic, I think it's going to be 100% okay. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it would be like super busted or anything. It's just like, it's one of those cards you definitely have to be careful with. If you put it into like a fair deck, it's going to be uh, like not, uh, I mean, it's such card disadvantage that it's no bueno. It's a terrible top deck. Uh, you're, you're basically looking to explode in the top. <laughs> Very many decks that can't afford to lose the card advantage. Like we talk about Phoenix a lot, but even Phoenix probably couldn't play this because no, I don't think Phoenix could play this. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably. I mean, and that's the thing that I look at with this is it's not like a ritual, you know. No, you're getting one one mana out of it, and like cool, I guess. If they did, I don't think it breaks anything. I don't think it's like game changing. For me, the scary decks with this are Hardened Scales and Ad Nauseam. That's fair. Yeah, I can see that. I'm not too worried about Ad, Ad Nauseam, because if it becomes popular, it's easy to hate out. Correct, yeah. Uh, the next card, Baleful Strix, is a little contentious with some people. Uh, it's, you know, people are like, oh, it'll over-centralize, it'll over-centralize. I see that fear, uh, but I also really like sticking it to humans, and this is the perfect card to do that. Um, I really, really want Belfal Strix to be in the set. Uh, I I love the art. I love the card. I 
I would really like it in modern. I mean, it seems like on face value, this doesn't seem like any sort of card that we shouldn't have in modern. Yeah, Squaw. I mean, Squaw for a cantrip, like, I don't know. It's a 1 1. Yeah. The Death Touch is part of uh, one of the most relevant things, that and the flying. Um, yeah. Mazavith, I'm sure you all know my opinion on that card. Um, I play lands. Yeah, <laughs> please give me, because I will build modern lands. Uh, same goes for Wasteland. Give me Wasteland. I I absolutely think Wasteland would be fine in modern. I think I think Wasteland's an absolutely not. Really? I, me yeah. too. I just wanted to put it on our list because everyone's talking about it. Really? I know. Like, what's what's your reasoning for that? I'm I'm very interested. I mean, so I think Excavator. That card's unplayable. Uh, actually. It's a what it's is like it? A two, it's, it gets played a lot. It's like a two of an amulet titan. Are they playing that card now? Absolutely, and they do a ghost quarter lock. So oh, like, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you've already got so much like land hate in the format. You've got you've got field. You've got quarter. Adding wasteland with no downside. Listen, I uh, just feel like I feel like you create so many non games. This this is a PG thirteen podcast, so I'm going to use that one allotted f bomb. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> fuck Tron. <laughs> Tron I becomes mean, instantly unplayable, and that's one of the main reasons I don't think it'll get printed. Yeah, they're too scared to do anything to it. No, that's fair. Uh, I I would like it just because I really really despise Tron. <laughs> um, yeah, I like. I, I don't like Tron. I'm not a fan. I <laughs> it feels bad when you lose to silly things like Karn the Liberated and Or Karn the Great Creator going to Karn... Lattice. Okay, that was tilting the other night when Blue Tron fetched up a Mycosynth Lattice or whatever you call that thing and I'm just like, wait, so I can't tap my mana anymore? Like <laughs> I just I am literally locked out of the game yeah. on turn playing. four. Plusing to kill your lands. Yikes. Yeah, it's really rough. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was pretty upset. You could say another gold card that I wanted to mention. Uh, I mentioned this earlier talking to Travis is Pernicious Deed. Uh, for those uh, who don't know, that card is powerful. It is. Uh, it barely sees any play in Legacy or in like none in Vintage. Uh, but for those who don't know, one a green and a black enchantment. Uh, tap X, sacrifice it, destroy each creature. Artifact and enchantment with converted mana cost X or less. Um, I'm on the fence with this card. It is one of my favorite magic cards, uh, but that is a very, very powerful effect. What do you guys think? Good. I think it's too good. It it shuts yeah. off. It shuts off humans. It shuts yeah. off elves. All the creature decks. Uh, I just don't see it. What about uh, spirit? I Wonder? think. So here's what I think on it. If you have this effect, but it's destroy either artifacts, creatures, or enchantments with converted mana cost X or less, I think that's okay. But doing it to everything, I don't know. It's very good. And that's like, that's why I'm leaning towards no. Uh, And that's why I'm saying I think the alternative is if they do, it's like, you know, some sort of silly alternative, like pernicious whatever. 
Yeah. And it's an and it's a similar effect, but not that true effect. Or creature. That makes sense. Yeah. It, maybe on a creature. Like Actually that might that might be worse in a way. Like recursion with like Coligan's command and Jund or something. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking it's, it's easier to interact. Did I just break modern? <laughs> yeah, so, I guess my thought is it's easier to interact with if you're if you've got it on a creature, but yeah. still, like, what about uh, what about spirit monger? Uh, it's another five mana spell. It's not good. Yeah, five five or six six for three a black and a green. Whenever it deals damage to a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and then pay, pay black to regenerate green to make it the color of your choice that's a it's just a nostalgic card for me um the thing we do have to take into consideration though is if um veteran explorer does get printed that does change the scope of what five and six drops are playable right like yeah, but there's so many better like carnage tyrant you can <laughs> that. yeah you, you you can get carnage tyrant um uh man Academy Rector is a uh, reserve list, unfortunately. Um, Arena Rector is not, though. And that it is not. That. Uh, yeah, sacrifice uh, sacrifice your Arena Rector to Cabal Therapist or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, go get it's, your uh, Nico Bolas. <laughs> or your $300 Ugin. Yeah, or your $300 Ugin. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, it would it would be neat. Are there any other uh, any other cards you guys would like to see in the set? I'd like to see a non-red ritual. So okay. we have a bunch of red rituals. I would like to see Cabal. Or wait, what is it called? Cabal ritual. Yeah, that's it. Cabal ritual. I would yeah. like to see something like that. Uh, maybe even in yeah, like uh, white. I think that would be so cool. Like actual Cabal ritual would. I'd be okay with, like, put threshold in the set. Give as um, is that nimble mongoose? I'd be okay with that. Mongoose. Then you do madness, like circular logic. That's another one people want. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. I think there's a lot they can do with it. Um, it is a good size set, you know, so they can have a lot of these mini cycles too. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to go? Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think we set our piece. Yeah. Good. <laughs> With that final note, I can guarantee I'll be ordering a box for sure. So, uh, 190 is probably too cheap, I think. So, I want to buy it before spoiler season and then everything goes up. So uh, I believe gonna... the shop has pre sold some for 200, by the way. I'll be on it. <laughs> With that, we'll close our podcast. Freddie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, Classic Alfredo86, on Twitch and Instagram. Four two seven, and man, I really want to get rid of that underscore. And then <laughs> twitch.tv slash Travis8427, trying to stream a couple times a night, basically jamming Infect and messing with the sideboard there. For that, we will see you guys next week. Everybody have a good night. Thank you. <laughs>